Welcome to Piano Rhapsody, an amateur's guide to classical piano. This is a podcast where you follow the musical journey of an amateur piano player who is striving to play advanced level works one day. Specifically, Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, which is where the podcast gets its name. Every week, we break down one of the pieces that I encounter along the road to this goal, ranging from the 18th century all the way up to modern day. We'll explore the history surrounding the work, examine the music within, and hopefully we all walk away a little more informed and appreciative of classical music. This is episode 24.1, the first episode of an exciting new series where we're going to try something brand new. Instead of love in the time of cholera, in this series, we're going to talk about music in the time of COVID. For the next two weeks, we're going to discuss works that were written by composers right around the time of the pandemic. And instead of having me tell you about them, we're going to hear from the composers themselves. I've recruited two brilliant composers who were not only kind enough to share some time with me to discuss their work, but are going to allow me to try my own hand at their compositions. Well, hands, technically. To start things off, this week we're going to hear a piece brimming with nervous energy called Monomania, or an over-caffeinated study in obsession, by composer Greg Herodine. While this was technically written several months before the pandemic started, I find it thematically linked to the mood of the era, and believe Greg just had a moment of foresight about what's to come. I don't understand much about YouTube algorithms and how they decide to send me recommendations, but amidst all of the videos of some guy touring New York apartments and sumptuously filmed pasta recipes, I saw this piece with this title, and I had to click on it. And I was glad I did. I was drawn in by its minimalist style and sound, and by the time the video had ended, I decided I wanted to learn this piece. When I came up with the idea of making a series of episodes with the premise of music in the time of COVID, I reached out to Greg to see if he'd be willing to allow me to feature it. And by the miracles of modern technology, we had a nice chat one morning over a Skype call that spanned the Atlantic Ocean. We talked about monomania, film scores, and pandemic life. So, without further ado, I hope you enjoy this interview I had with composer Greg Herodine. Yeah, I'd like to get started right at the beginning. So, when did you know you wanted to pursue a career in music, and what got you interested in music as a child? Good question. Um, well, I started playing piano when I was six, I think. I got a keyboard for a birthday present, and, and enjoy, sort of enjoyed learning, enjoyed playing. But I didn't discover a real passion for music until I was 11 and I started learning guitar. And suddenly I could play along with my favorite songs. You know, I, I was into rock music at the time um, and I was learning all these rock songs on guitar and loved it. And that then, for whatever reason, helped me to enjoy piano a lot more too. And from then on, from age 11, it was just my biggest hobby, um, playing and then writing my own music too. And I just... Couldn't imagine doing anything else for a living, really. So I, it was a natural thing to do for A-level and then on to university. And luckily, I've managed to sort of patch together a living of some kind. And tell me a bit about your time in university. What did you study and how did your courses help uh, give you a structure to build a career in music? 
Well, um, so my undergraduate degree was in music technology and composition at Kingston University because it seemed important for me to learn not only how to best compose, but if you're starting out, it's sort of useful to be able to record your own compositions too. You know, no one's going to do that for you, right? You've got to figure that out yourself. So I wanted to learn a bit about how to record and that sort of thing. And then I did a master's in composing for film and TV straight after because I thought that's what I wanted to do in a way because film music, uh, you know, at the time I found film music amazing and I, st- I still do. But funnily enough, after spending a year of, of learning how to score for film, it didn't really suit me because you're kind of alone with a computer you know, music usually gets added on to the end, right? The footage is all shot, edited, done, and then you as a composer work with the footage to create the music. Whereas at the same time, I was um, I had lots of friends in the drama department at uni, and I ended up writing music for their university theatre shows, which was much more fun because I was in the room with the actors and the director. I was playing the piano live, improvising with the actors. And that was so much more fun than being stuck in a room with a computer. So anyway, so actually that, funnily enough, is probably what really got me going was composing, not really uni work, but just for fun for the drama department. Um, And that led into a a few years actually of writing music for theatre, like new theatre shows in London, where I was living at the time. I'm also a big movie fan on top of music. I'm kind of curious now, what are some of your favorite movie scores? Well, you know, since I've uh, since having a family, I haven't watched many movies recently. Um, you, you know what it's like with kids. Oh, absolutely. Um, favorite movie scores? Um, Actually, did, did a movie come out since 2019? I'm not sure. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, gosh. I mean, it's hard to beat some of... I mean, it's an obvious answer, but I mean, it's hard to beat the music of John Williams in a way mm-hmm. because it's just so memorable without mm-hmm. being without being um, too simple or too obvious. I wish I had a sort of more interesting answer than that. No, I think that's a great answer. They're, they're iconic and ingrained in culture for a reason. Uh, the themes are just, yeah, like you said, very memorable and they kind of just hit you in the brain and stick there. Yeah. Yeah. How, how about you, Andy? Oh, I love uh, Bernard Herrmann. Uh, oh, so yes. I like all the old Hitchcock movies, Vertigo, North by Northwest. Like those are all classic. To, or Psycho, of course. Um, yes. So those I, are kind of my answers for that an, uh, question. Yeah, I need to re- rewatch those, both to see the films and to hear the scores again. So yeah, you mentioned you did some work for theater productions and um, that kind of launched your interest in composition. And so you have done some work composing pieces for solo performance and uh, some of those include pieces for piano of course Uh, one of the compositions that you've written is a piece that i'm highlighting in this episode of the podcast and you wrote it in 2019 it's called monomania an over caffeinated study and obsession what was your inspiration for this piece (laughs) well just around that time or just a little bit before i started getting more into writing solo piano works just because it's my it's my first instrument and there's something beautiful i think about about the sound of a solo piano and behind that particular piece i mean a lot of my pieces stem from improvisation um and i think what had happened is i mean I, i'm a fan of coffee i enjoy a few morning coffees drinking it right now yes, it's do. morning over here <laughs> <laughs> right right and yeah i think i'd had a little too much 
and I was improvising, and I remember finding this little figure, uh, this little short phrase in the key of D minor, you know, the opening. I was just toying around with that, and I was feeling a bit too hyped up. And I thought, oh, well, I like this idea. I'm not, I'm not actually feeling great, but let's capture it, because it's a bit, I feel too tense, and I wanted to create, you know, the music was coming out a bit too tense. And I loved the idea of creating a piece that just was constant semiquavers. You know, it just never stopped until the end. I mean, that you know, many composers have done this. But at my mood at the time uh, sort of matched that feeling of, of constant movement. And, you know, it's slightly tongue-in-cheek. I probably, you know, it, can it really be a serious piece of music if it's written about coffee? You know, it's not just about that. I think, it, you know, you don't need to know the title to get a feeling of the mood of the piece, I think. Absolutely. I think it succeeds very much in what you just said. It, uh, it elicits a mood it, almost instantly. And uh, as you also said, it does not let up until the end, which is kind of integral for a piece like this. I hear some influence of minimalism in this piece. I don't know if that was intentional on your behalf. Or do you listen to composers like Glass or Reich? Or are there other composers that kind of influence your work in general or for this piece specifically? Hmm. Um. You're right to hear minimalism. I, it wasn't conscious. Um, I didn't set out to create a piece in the minimalist style. And I don't even listen to that much minimalism. I know that in certain circles, people really dislike minimalism and talk it down. And actually in other circles, people really, really love it. And I'm somewhere in between. Like, I think there's some great minimalist compositions. Um, I don't listen to much glass, um, although I, I've, seen, I've seen a few of operas by Philip Glass, which were fantastic. Um, the one minimalist composer I do listen to a fair bit is John Adams, actually. Yeah, I find his music really speaks to me a bit more than like Philip Glass or Steve Reich um, say. But in terms of influences, I mean, you can't hear it in, in this piece at all, but one of my biggest influences on the piano is Debussy. Mm -hmm. um, but the, obviously this piece isn't, but you couldn't compare it to Debussy at all. And as I get older, as each year passes, I, tend, I feel I appreciate the music of, of Bach more. J.S. Bach. When I was 18, I'm sad to say I wasn't a fan of Bach. I found it boring, quite frankly. You know, idiot you that were, I am. No, you are not I'm, alone. I think it's hard for a younger person to appreciate kind of what he was working with at the time and to realize what he was mining there. It's, it's hard for anyone that young to live outside of their era and uh, to put your shoes into what another person, the tools another person had and what they created with those tools. And I think once you put yourself in the right frame, Bach is an undeniable musical genius. And he paved the way for hundreds of years that we're still using to this day, which is pretty impressive. Mm. Oh, definitely. Yes. So I would count for sure Bach as an influence. But, uh, you know, other types of music too. You know, it's not just classical, of course. Uh, I tend to listen to all sorts. You know, uh, I'm still a fan of rock music as I was when I got my first guitar. I love, acoustic, you know, more acoustic music as well. Um, so everything from you know, sort of music of Sufjan Stevens, Joanna Newsom, through to sort of heavy, more prog stuff like the Mars Volta. I mean, I get influences from all these things too. <laughs> That's funny. I was just listening to Sufjan in the car last night. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, he's fantastic. So you mentioned that you wrote Monomania in D minor. Was that intentional or is that just kind of where your fingers ended up? It was, I mean, honestly, it was where my fingers landed at the time, yes. Um, but I often, once I, once I know I'm on, once I know I've started a composition, 
I do stop and think and ask myself, well, what key am I actually in? What key have I chosen? And sometimes I change the key early on. I think, oh no, this might be better, slightly higher or lower or for whatever reason. Um, but this piece, because of the speed of it, I wanted it to be playable. I didn't want it to be too hard to play. So I thought once I started in D minor, I thought, yes, this is a good key. It's not too complex. So you mentioned you uh, start the piece off with an instruction that it's with nervous energy bordering on paranoia. And you spend a lot of time in softer dynamics with the piece, piano, mezzo piano, until it explodes at the end with uh, forte. Was this the dynamic shape you had in mind, kind of uh, verging on a, a mild panic attack towards <laughs> the end? Yes, I suppose so. Um, I think if you if you know what it's like to have one too many cups of coffee, you're sort of you're sort of trying to hold it together. You're trying to think, okay, I'm fine. It's fine. I had that extra cup of coffee. You know. So it's, so throughout the piece, it's like you're trying to control the panic. You're trying to control the nervous energy. But you've got to, you know, where's the climax? You need a climax in these kind of pieces. So I thought, let's leave it till the end. And we've been waiting, waiting, waiting. And then in the last, you know, 30 seconds or whatever, finally we get a, you know, we get a forte or fortissimo. Um, and that's it. The coffee's, the coffee's won the day. The coffee's taken over and it's just let loose. <laughs> that's great. So speaking of lots of coffee and moments of paranoia and anxiety, Monomania was written before the pandemic hit in 2020. But I find it eerily prescient of that era and the, the mood that was going on during this time. You know, we spent a lot of our time staying indoors. The days kind of bled together. We're drinking too much coffee all throughout the day. You know, it fits very well with this theme and almost feels like it was written for this time. Did the pandemic affect your career and did it influence your creativity or have an effect on your music? Well, by chance, um, just before the pandemic hit, my wife and I had already made the decision to have a big life change. We decided to move from London to Scotland. So, you know, I think it was about four or five months before the pandemic. We, um, you know, we sort of closed our life in London. We took a road trip around the UK and Scotland, figuring out where to live. We eventually moved to Scotland, got in our new home. And then one week later, the first lockdown hit in the UK and then the pandemic was upon us. So we had already moved ourselves away from our friends and family um, to a new place. So in terms of my career, I'd already um, made a big move because I was leaving London. All my contacts were in London. So it wasn't so much the pandemic as our move to Scotland that sort of changed things. I suppose what the pandemic did is it stopped me for a while. It stopped me meeting other musicians in Scotland. And that sort of reinforced my love for writing for solo piano which I already loved, um, but I couldn't do much else, really. Um, I didn't particularly want to get into all these, you know, all these pieces that, that were written at the time with, with musicians collaborating, you know, via video. And then, you, you know, you get lots of musicians and edit them together to create an ensemble performance. I just didn't want to do that. I was happier on my own. So, yeah, I suppose it just, it forced me to continue writing solo piano pieces. In a way, I'm glad because that's what I'm doing more of now. And I'm, I'm enjoying actually that trajectory um, and seeing how that develops. Sounds like the pandemic forced isolation in several ways on you then. Hmm. Yes. So as we're all kind of feeling out this post lockdown era, 
where is Greg Herodine in the future? And what are you working on now and maybe in the next couple of years? Well, um, I, there's two things I'd like to do, I suppose. One is to continue with my piano pieces and sort of get them to reach a wider audience. You know, I, with my pieces, I'm obviously I'm writing them because I feel the urge to compose them. I'm writing what I want to write, but I want them to be played as well. I really want them to be played and enjoyed by a wide range of people. So I'm going to continue with that. Um, a big project I'm working on now is I'm writing eight new works for solo piano inspired by the work of eight different Scottish artists. I wanted a way of celebrating the work of other creative people living in Scotland. So I've been speaking to painters and poets and sculptors and being inspired by their work. And so I'll finish this set of eight pieces in March. Um, they're called my Caledonian Portraits. And I'll perform them at a concert um, in Paxton House, which is near Berwick uh, in March. So that's a big concert I've got coming up. Oh, that's great. It's kind of like a modern pictures at an exhibition. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, so there's, the, there's the piano music strand. But I mean, after all I've said about piano music, I would love to branch out more and write for smaller, on, like not smaller ensembles. You can't get smaller than solo piano, but small ensembles. You know, I'd love to write, say, for piano and cello or write for a string quartet. I have dabbled at writing for orchestra and I'm, I, I'm not sure it's for me. Um, maybe I just need to do more of it but I feel I can get my head around smaller, small ensembles fine. Um, that's where I see myself in the future anyway. Well, in regards of getting your music to a larger audience, hopefully this podcast will do just that. And where can people find you on the internet if they want to learn more about you and your music? Hmm. Thanks, Andy. Um, yes, well, um, you can find me on YouTube. If you just search for Greg Haradine Composer, you'll find me. Um, also, people can visit my website, gregharadine.com. And if you're really keen and want to uh, hear my new music regularly um, and even play it yourself, um, I am on Patreon, where you could sign up on Patreon and become a supporter, and then you get all my scores and recordings every month straight to you. Um, so yeah, I'd love if some of your listeners would, would um, link up with me online. I'd love to hear from them. Well, there you have it the very first interview on Piano Rhapsody. And without further ado, let's listen to the piece of the day. This is Monomania, or An Overcaffeinated Study and Obsession, by Greg Herodine.
Thanks again to Greg for being such a pleasure to talk to and for being game to participate in this project. I've included all the links where you can find Greg online in the episode description. So head over there, click away, and check out all of his work. I've also included a link where you could purchase the sheet music for Monomania if you're interested in learning it and all of other Greg's piano works. And lastly, since the time that we recorded this interview, Greg hosted his concert debuting his Caledonian portraits. And thanks to his live stream, I was lucky enough to attend, uh, virtually of course, to hear a unique classical concert experience where you not only get to hear the composer play his own compositions, but you get to experience Greg talking about what it was like composing each piece. The link to the concert live stream can be found in the episode description, so I highly encourage all of you to check that out. Next week, I'll be chatting with another composer about their experience with music in the time of COVID. Talk to you then. You can find the standalone recording of the piece we discussed today directly in the podcast feed. Check out Piano Rhapsody on SoundCloud for all of the tracks heard on this podcast and more. You can find me on Twitter at Piano Rhapsody or email me at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, the best way to support the podcast is to hit the subscribe button on your podcatcher and consider rating or reviewing. It's the easiest way to never miss a new episode, and it helps the podcast gain more visibility. Thanks as always for your time and your ears. And remember, the piano keys are black and white, but they sound like a million colors in your mind.